Okay, well, welcome back to our monthly podcast, The Call to Foster. My name is Shasta Miller, and I'm a field support manager with the Missouri Children's Division. My co-host is here with me, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Jessica Hugstep, and I'm a supervisor with the Southeast Region Resource Unit. So I'm really excited today. We have um, some honored guests, um, the Knorr family. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So the Knorrs. Hi, I'm Elliot. And I'm Mandy. Hi, Elliot. Hi, Mandy. So let's just jump in. So Mandy and Elliot, um, tell us how you learned about fostering and why you decided to become foster parents. We started out as uh, a relative placement for Mandy's grandchildren. We pursued that for a couple of years, and we still currently are their guardians. And we decided that we wanted to have more children. We went through the courses with uh, Strong and Star, and subsequently um, got licensed. And here we are, four years later. So I'm just curious, what made you decide to um, transition and become a traditional foster home? Um, Seeing the need, uh, feeling uh, both Mandy and I had uh, been involved with adult uh, individuals who needed help, and uh, we had opportunity and the uh, availability to help more and we just opened our hearts and said let's do it that's fantastic um we've been hearing we've been hearing from several other families that that's how they kind of start the fostering journey is through some type of relative uh placement so i'm excited to hear that's kind of how you started your journey um can you share an experience of when you've had a placement in your home and some of the challenges that you kind of go through? Yes, uh, we, which all the children that come in uh, are in need of um, our love and affection and attention. Um, that's why they come to us all. And, you know, we just want to uh, be sure that they receive everything that they are in need of, make them feel comfortable and um, enjoyed and loved and whenever um, we have the children come in, uh, sometimes they're, you know, not very happy about, you know, having to be uh, put somewhere besides where they were at and that's okay and you just have to, you know, make sure that, um they can kind of accept and understand that for right now, it's a good place to be for them and for their future. And that has to kind of be with all the children. Mm -hmm. So I hear you said, you know, that you have to have accepting and understanding. And that's just amazing to hear because it is those kiddos, like you said, they're taken out of their home and put in, a stranger's home, somebody they absolutely don't know. And without accepting and understanding, you know, how, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do your job as a foster parent? So, um, 
And I think that's a, what Jessica said and what you said is a very real thing. Um, so I'm curious from your perspective, when you do have kiddos who come into your home and they are struggling and maybe they are acting out, how do you as foster parents deal with those situations in a way to where you can stay calm? Uh, we usually always make sure that they feel special, you know, like to do special things for them or, you know, are they missing maybe a special dessert or would they like mm-hmm. a meal or an activity? Maybe they can help plan an activity, you know, just mm-hmm. make them feel like they have a little control. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, and see if that makes them feel a little bit better about being in, in our home or involved with the other children or, you know, just keep trying and trying until maybe, you know, every day, every minute of every day to help them to feel a little bit more comfortable and happy and welcomed. Yeah. Um I think that's really good advice for listeners who may be interested in fostering is exactly what you said. The only way to really find out what those special things are is to talk to the kids, right? To try to build that relationship between the two of you. Um, and then you can easily figure out what is the special dessert that, that, that I can make for them or dinner or what, or what yeah, or activities yeah. that you can do. Um, so you have to sit yeah, down and really talk to the kids, right? Yeah, they just love it. Aww. They they feel um, like you're you're directly involved with them and you directly care for them. Exactly. And I'm just curious. So, what kind of age ranges of kiddos do you take into your home? Well, we have had so far over the years from about two years old to seventeen years old. Oh, wow. And you still take those age ranges into your home right now, currently? Yes, we just we just love them all. They all, you know, just deserve to enjoy life and be a child. And that's what we try to strive for them. I know it's hard for them to accept. Yeah. Sometimes they are the ones that being the parents in the home. Yep. So we allow them to try to enjoy their childhood. Yep. That's... I think that's a good perspective Um, because, yeah, a lot of our foster kids, they don't know what it's like to be an average, normal child. And um, a lot of them are parentified. And um, I think that's very true. Um, So you said you take any you've had anywhere from age two to 17. So as I'm sure you've heard and are aware, um, we have a definite need for foster homes to take older youth or teenagers um, can you, do you have an experience you can share with us and the listeners about a time you've had a teenager placed in your home and some of the challenges and successes that you may have had? All of our teenagers that came in, I feel that was very successful. We uh, communicated well. We strive for them to understand what their future is going to be. Um you know, help them whatever their plans were for the future to help them strive that, um, dedicate ourselves to making their future dream come true as best as we possibly can. 
And so we've had several that left out of here, and but I feel that they have all been successful because we were able to manage what they needed, and they were all very happy. We always made sure they tried to stay very happy and be respectful, you know, in all the communities like school and, and you know, just out and about in different things. Um, and they enjoyed that. Yeah. So, Mandy, do you have an example of when uh, a teenager has left your home and you've been able to stay in contact with that kiddo? Yes. Uh, actually, we have a recent one, um, and she always sends us, like, little memorabilia or, like, little notes and things uh, at the holidays. Oh. and. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, so we send it right back. You know, she, you know, just loves and misses us, and and we feel the same way about all of our children, although we don't get to stay in contact with all of our children. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that makes us feel very special. Yeah. You know, all in all, that we manage that bird, that person. Right, right. So I'm just curious, so... If there has been a time, you said that you're not able to stay in contact with all of them. So how do you and your husband deal with that loss, that loss of those children going out of your home, whether it's to a different placement or reunification with parents or family? How do you deal with that? I think mostly it's, uh, I look at it, and I think Mandy also, that it's a uh, it's it's the growth. They're moving from where we are. They're going to another, another relative, family, aging out, uh, and that hopefully that uh, they have have had the support and have the support to continue to be successful. Um, and again, it's it's like anything. If they choose not to correspond with us. Um, you know, that's, that's their choice. We don't have as much control as far as getting in top contact with them. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, we feel it, but, uh, we keep them in our hearts, but we don't, uh, we don't dwell on it because, you know, now we have additional children we have to be concerned with. Yeah. So I, you kind of answered this next question for me, but maybe dig in a little bit further. So for new foster families who are experiencing this for the first time, how do you personally, Elliot and Mandy, cope when you're kind of struggling through those attachments and then them leaving your home? How do you personally like cope with that? It is a great lost feeling. Like, <laughs> and yeah. it does take several weeks to get over it, although we don't like dwell on it, that it manages our life. We just know that we have done some somebody some good and that we, you know, um, got to meet someone in our life and we appreciate that. And it, it is a difference in your home when someone leaves. Yeah. Um, and, and you do feel the loss because you you strive, you know, to uh, enjoy that person in your home and 
you know, make a schedule for this person and, you know, go do fun outings and, you know, listen to them laugh and watch them smile and, and everything. So it is a lot. Yeah. And it does take some time to take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still miss almost all the children that have been here to this day. Yeah, I see this as um, maybe for a child, this your them being placed in your home is kind of a chapter in their lives, right? And they've got to grow, like Elliot said, there's growth and they've got, you've got to turn the page and move to the next chapter. Um, Correct. <laughs> so I think what you said, Mandy, that it's a real loss. I think our listeners need to kind of hear that. I think that's a very true feeling and that's a, that's very raw, um, and a normal feeling. Um, but I think your perspective on it and Elliot's perspective on it is what people need to hear. Um, again, back to, it's a chapter in a child's life and you're going to support them and, and be there for them as long as they're, they're in your home. And in some situations, even after, right. With the, the young lady you stay in contact with. Um, I think as an agency, we always hope um, those connections are forever um, because it is hard. And I think it's hard on foster families, um, but it sounds like you're doing something right. And uh, I I do, I am curious to what supports do you guys have? Cause you guys know being a foster parent's hard and there's challenges. So what, what supports do you guys rely on? Training that they, that you're, company offers all the training that we get to have. We have schools. We have, uh, on a weekly basis, we have um, therapists come into our home. Um, and it's nice to be able to, you know, for the children and talk with them about different things mm-hmm. with the children. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctors, just everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great support that we have in each other. And, and we reach out uh, to a variety of methods uh, that we learn from uh, family services, from uh, other caseworkers, other uh, therapists that come in, and we try and find uh, any and all resources that would be helpful to any and all the kids. Uh, and we continue to do it. I mean, it's, it's almost a daily, uh, daily ritual. Yeah. I think that's good to hear. And I'm glad to hear that you guys rely on supports and it truly is a community effort when caring for our foster kids. Um, So with that, there's so many people that you are in contact with that be exactly what you said, the schools, the therapists, children's division, um, juvenile officers. There's lots of people that are involved in these kids' lives. So how do you manage that? You have a big calendar. A big calendar. <laughs> you have to. And uh, with the uh, scheduled uh, dental visits, health visits, mm-hmm. um, all the uh, all of the uh, community all the counseling sessions, uh, all the visits to the uh, various uh, positions. It's just it's it's part of of um, being there. Yeah. And that's, uh, and if that fortunately 
I have retired so that um, I can I have become the Uber driver, and we can make all kinds of get everywhere every day. Yeah. That's funny, an Uber driver. So that's your title now, right? Among, now, yeah. yeah, among being a foster parent, you're an Uber yeah, driver. Foster parent, slash grandparent, slash software. Yeah, slash laundry service. What else is there? But I think I think we're we're giggling, but I think that's you wear several yeah. different hats. You know, I think that's exactly what you're hitting on. You kind of are an Uber driver. You are a parent. You are a grandparent. You are a, you know, a, a support. You are a therapist in some sense, right? Um, you're teachers. You're, and I think that's, you have a good understanding of that. And uh, one minute you have to take off your hat and put on another hat. And um, I think that could be challenging. Um you you guys just your values what you what you strive to do especially when you say make sure to have equal time mm-hmm. with each child in your home and to gear towards them what they like whether it is a dessert whether it's an activity right it's just you guys have an amazing outlook yeah so i just had a question pop in my head that i have to ask before we before we wrap it up um, Ellie and Mandy, do you have an experience that you can share with all of us about a time that you've potentially worked with a biological parent or a biological family member um, for best efforts, best interests of, of a kiddo placed in your home? Yes, uh, we did work with um, a single mother um, to give her children's coats back into her home. Um, she uh, just needed uh, guidance um, as to what needed to be achieved to regain her children because she loved her children. Her children loved her. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, just needed um, mm-hmm. the guidance and redirection for that. And so we patiently waited and helped and always took the children for their visits. And, you know, we allow the children, you know, to have um, conversations with the mother daily um, so that they didn't feel like they were away from her. And uh, it just worked out really well. And the children did get to go home to their mother. Yay. Yeah, it was so fantastic. (laughs) She was so happy. They were so happy. Um, you know, and, and your department worked well with the mom to help her to achieve this, which was fantastic. And when the uh, children went home, you know, they got to go home to a, a wonderful living environment. Oh, my goodness. That's what we like to hear. That's just, that's amazing. So I'm curious, do you, um, you and Elliot still have contact with that biological parent and child or children? Uh, only with one of the children, uh, they contact us a little bit by Facebook through uh, one of our grandchildren. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah it is. That's fantastic. So I, <clears throat> I think that example is it really showcases you're not just fostering a child; you're fostering a family, um, and that 
biological family members and biological parents, they need that support from our foster parents, right? Like they need that, that role model, even if it's not directly there, you guys are role modeling. You guys are role modeling what it takes to, you know, care for kiddos. You're role modeling patience. Um, you're role modeling, um, love and, and dedication and, and dedication to these kids. So, um, I think that's a really great, great example. Um, and what we would like to see as an yes. agency, we, we love hearing those kind of stories because, um, you know, that's what we all hope, right? You know, reunification is, is the first cool. permanency goal we go for. And I, I think you explained very well the importance of the kiddos and their relationship with their biological parents. And, um, we are very accommodating to the parents. That's great. That's great. The the goal is always reunification. And we want both the children and the biological parents to know that we're just here to help. We don't want to take the children away from them. We don't want to, Mm -hmm. you know, have them have bad things. But, you know, for for the safety and well-being of the children, they are in our care Mm -hmm. until... You know, you, you guys understand and get, get your acts together. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for those, what advice would you give to a, a foster family when they're struggling with working with biological family? What advice would you give them through your experiences? Understand whether biological family is and is coming from what they have to deal with, what they have to uh, learn. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times uh, the effect of, of drugs clouds the situation and you know, it's hard to break free of that, mm-hmm. but for them um, to understand that the, the, the safety net for their children is there until they decide that they want to participate more. Yeah. yeah. So what I heard you say is have understanding, be realistic yes. about the impact potentially that drugs could have on an individual and that you're not going anywhere. You're going to care for the kids as long as they're in your home. And that, you know, that's that. Right. Um, and again, smile and have patience. Yes, definitely. Um, Do you guys have, before we wrap up, do you guys have anything you want to add or share um, with listeners who may be um, thinking about jumping into this crazy world of being a foster parent? It is a crazy world of being a foster parent, but it is truly heartwarming, heart-wrenching, loving, and wonderful, and if you have compassion for the human race, um, participate. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Mandy and Elliot. We really, really appreciate you getting on here and telling us about your journey and about you being a chapter in a child's life. Yes, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for uh, having us with you today. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You have a good day.
Thank you. Bye. That was a really good interview with Elliot and Mandy. Um, you know, we, I think we definitely, we have some themes, right? When we interview families and I keep hearing understanding, I keep hearing be patient. I, I love when Elliot said smile and be patient. Um, adapting. Adapting. And, you know, I think the piece that just sticks out the most to me um, throughout this whole podcast that when I asked about, or we asked, how do you deal with, you know, your attachment and when these children move out of your home? Mm -hmm. And they said, just by knowing that we did some good in that child's life, that we helped them in some way. So thinking about the positives. Yep. And I, I like how they, they, when kids get placed, they talked about really getting to know the child and figuring out um, what special thing that's going to, that they can do to make them feel special. Um, I mean, that just showcases that it's important if you're going to become a foster parent to have patience, but really get to know the kid, right? Get to know the child that's in your home and do something special for them. I mean, I thought that was really, really good advice. Um, And they've been doing it for some time. And their age range from two years to 17, that's a huge age range. It is. And they're they're just able to adapt to really any situation, Mm -hmm. any age range, anything that comes along their way, just their outlook, you know, they're positive. They're very positive and they um, can endure anything. And we had a, yeah, we had a moment there where we talk about how many different hats that they wear. Um, and it's true. Uh, Foster parents, they, they do wear a lot of hats. They are teachers. They are parents. They are all of those things. Um, and just having understanding of when you, you need to switch hats and adapting. Right. That's the, I think that's the theme word here, adapting and smiling. Um, great, great, great interview. Um, just thank them so much. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Please look forward to next month's episode. Um, Adios. Bye. At the Department of Social Services, we are dedicated to inspiring more Missourians to help us provide quality, loving homes to the children in our care. Help us reach our future foster parents by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this podcast on your social media platforms. Mm-hmm.